He is so faithful and he is good. And I really do believe I'm in a house with folks that really believe what we just sang about. I just want to be able to honor the Lord. Before we sit down, I just want to, I'm reminded, as you heard Pastor Walker say, that I'm kind of a son of the house. I, I, the last time I was here, I had a mullet. That ought to tell you how long ago that was. Uh, but Mother Nature had different decisions for my hair. But here's the thing. As I've walked the halls of this place, and as I've worshipped in this room, I'm just reminded of just how true these statements are that we just sang of this place. This is a house of miracles. What you may or may not know, I was here when a blind woman walked in, and we, my mom, my sister, we were there. A blind woman walked in, and Pastor Walker decided not to preach that Sunday morning. He had a word to bring, and he felt that there was such an anointing on the worship that God was already doing the work that he had set out to do. And that woman walked out with sight. I was here to witness that. But if these walls could talk, if these pews could testify, if this altar could declare what God has already done in this house that you may not be aware of, you would know when you sing that this is a house of miracles that you're truly standing on holy ground. This building is supposed to look this way right now, and the reason why is because it has been used for the glory of God. But there is a new season for this house of miracles, and the Lord is building it as a testimony closer to the road so that all of San Antonio would know that God reigns on this property. So you are not downsizing. I truly believe what Lord has done is he has brought the remnant together for the greatest days that are still in front of this ministry. And I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and declare that. Are you with me this morning? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are not a yesterday God. We want to declare right now and honor the name of Jesus, that not only are you the God of yesterday, but you're the God of this moment. And that means you're also the God of our tomorrow. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the King of Kings, and you are the Lord of Lords. We are honored to be in this place today. And so, Father, whether we're here present in this room or wherever we're at in our cars or wherever we're located, Lord, as we worship online, Father, I pray that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit would be tangible and that every heart and every year, and every mind, and every life would leave encouraged and reminded of what is already true that you've said of us as your sons and daughters, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, by the power of his resurrection, defeating death, sin, and hell itself. We serve a mighty God, and we recognize your power. Lord, have your way. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen. Y'all could be seated. It is a joy to be here. I, I'm not joking. I, I never would have thought when I was 17, we're, my sister and I were just talking about this. I was like, dude, this is what I call my little sister, even though I'm 50 and she's 40-something. I was like, dude, can you believe? Who would have thought? But the Lord is faithful, man. He is faithful and he is so good. And so I want to welcome you this morning. If you're new here, we're so glad that you are here to worship with us. You truly have one of the best pastors in the world, Dr. Walker. I want you to know that. I really mean that. 
And I also want to welcome our online family. And so I have a special connection with our online family. And the reason why is because I'm typically online taking in on a daily or a weekly basis Alamo City and Pastor Walker's preaching. And so it's weird and it's cool to be in the room with you guys. But often when I listen on podcast, I listen to Pastor Walker when I'm working out at the gym. Now, I know it doesn't look like I work out, but I really do put in some effort every now and then. But when I'm working out, I get so fired up by his preaching. I'm not joking with you. I will be pushing weight, and he'll say he just he preaches the fire and the truth of God. And I'll go, amen. And then right, because I got the, the earphones on, and people are looking at me like, is he amening himself, lifting more weight? What, what is he? But I got to tell you something. I have a personal request now that I'm here. I'm like, preach it, pastor. Yes, this is good. This is what our world needs. This is the truth of God for the house. But I don't hear you guys. So let me tell you something. I'm giving you permission. I'm telling you, Pastor Walker would let you know. Amen. Preach back to the preacher. Clap, scream, celebrate like it's actually true. And that we're not here just for more education, but we're here to be reminded of what God says we are and what he wants to do in our lives. Okay? So let's get excited about Jesus. Amen? I, um, I've had a front row seat to Pastor Walker and Shirley's ministry since, I want to say, 1988, 89, something like that. And um, I was invited here by a, a teenage friend and, and just kind of sat under the teaching. And I typically would sit in the back and just listen. And, I, and it's just really amazing just how Pastor Walker's sermons, the word of God that he preached, and, you know, the word says that the word never t- returns void. And how it has carried me through the years and, and reminded me of truth and has had a profound impact and influence on me now that I'm a pastor of a church. And I, you know, every pastor needs a pastor. And Pastor Walker absolutely is my pastor. And I love him and I honor him. And it's just a joy to be here. But, um, man, I, you know, the thing is, is that when the average, I don't know, you may not know this, but the average time for a pastor to serve at a church before they leave to go to another church is three years. Did you know that? The national average is three years. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I really do think it's something to celebrate and recognize that you have a pastor and Shirley who have been here over 30 years, faithfully tilling the soil, faithfully planting seeds, faithfully watering, faithfully showing up. Eugene Peterson, an author, says that this is a picture of long obedience in the same direction. And let me tell you, it's not always easy, but Pastor Walker is a man of conviction. He believes what he says. And what I love is that he says, when I sit down and talk with him, he loves Shirley more now than ever. He loves Jesus more now than ever. He loves being your pastor more now than ever. But the thing that I love about him is that he preaches with a fresh Holy Spirit fire after so many years He doesn't mail it in. He means it just as much today as he did his very first sermon. The good ones make it look easy is my point. I hope that you love on this family, the Walker family, and let them know that. I think sometimes we think that everybody tells them that. Chances are they don't hear it nearly enough. So if you love your pastor and they're his family, love on them. Buy them a card. Buy them meals. Do something nice for them. They need it. They need to be encouraged, and I'm just so honored to be up here and celebrate that. And so one more time, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to pray that God would just speak over this word and breathe upon it so we can see what God has to say for you and for me today. Are you with me? Let's pray one more time. So, Father, what I'm asking is that you would testify to your word. I really want to thank you that you've determined that this is what you want me to share. 
So what I'm asking now, Father, is that you would remove me fully out of the way. And that only that which you want to say through me would be stated and we trust you. So come now, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Fall fresh on us in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. So I, uh, I've been in ministry for close to 20 years, but I just became a big boy pastor three years ago um, as a lead pastor at uh, a church on the far west side called Great Oaks Fellowship. We're actually transitioning right now from Grace Point Church West to Great Oaks Fellowship in September, and so keep us in prayer for that. But I love being a lead pastor. I absolutely love it. It's, it's the honor of a lifetime for me. It really is. But as I've gotten to know my congregation over the last couple of years, there's this one guy and in church, you know how we talk about someone if they just haven't fully arrived yet, the redemption process is still kind of working, the sanctification process is working out in their life. There's a guy named John, and he's in mid-70s, and I love this guy. He's actually become somewhat of a father figure to me. But if he came walking in the room, you would go, that dude's a little rough around the edges. That's church talk, right? We know what that means. But he's got such a good heart, and he's just been such a blessing to me, and so he'll text me and He's just cool, though. That's the thing. If he walked in, you'd go, that dude is cool, man. And uh, so he texted me a couple, not I think it was a couple months ago, and he was, he was just saying, I just want to bring something by your house or I want to do something nice for you. I can't remember what it was. But at the end of it, I said, thank you so much. And he signed off the text by saying, hey, brother, I've got your six. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't want to look like a big nerd, though, and say, well, what does that mean, right? Because he's so cool, and I didn't want him to think I was uncool. So I got on Google, which is a very dangerous thing to do, but I got on Google, and I typed in, what does it mean, who's, I've got your six? And what I found is this is actually a term that came about in World War II, and fighter pilots, when they were going into battle, they're in the, there would be someone in the 12 o'clock position, so they're the ones up front. And so to have someone six means that someone's got your back. How cool is this guy? He could have said, I got your back, but no, he says, I've got your six. You know? And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. But the reason why I share that story with you is because if you and I were having coffee and just talking about just life and where you find yourself this morning, and I asked you, who has your six? What would you say? Who has your back this morning? And as I prayed about this sermon, I believe that the Lord just really just impressed my heart. And I began to feel that maybe there was a time in your life where you did have a support system. There was a spouse. There was a friend. There was a group of people. There was people in your life that you knew had your back. But in whatever reason, in whatever season, whether the last 2020 or 2021 or recently, you look around and all you see is a brick wall and no one's there. Would you be honest enough to answer that question? And so I think that there's even those who are listening and watching online right now that maybe you just don't feel like someone has got your back. And the problem is, is that sometimes we, we know the, 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 the right Bible answer, so we go, oh, I know God does. But I even believe that the Lord impressed upon my heart that there's some that are teetering on their faith and the level of their faith, and they don't know for sure if God is there, even though you've known him in times past. And I just want to tell you, in Psalm 71, if you feel that way this morning and you feel alone, and maybe you're watching this from your house, and this is the first time that house has felt so empty, Maybe in this is a season for your life where you have felt the most afraid and the most abandoned. I just want to tell you, you're in good company. 
I've been there. And so is the author of Psalm 71. Many believe it's King David. And what I want us to look at is look at how he comes before the Lord. Look at the very first verse out of the shoot. He says, oh, Lord, I come to you for protection. Please don't let me be disgraced. So what we see right here is we see King David. He, he's clearly got an issue going on here. There's something happening in his world that has scared him, that has concerned him. He's overwhelmed by, and he's worried that he's going to lose the last shred of any influence that he's got. He, it's, it's, something is about to take everything away from him, and he's scared. And so he comes into the presence of the Lord, and he says, God, I've come to you for protection. Please don't let me be disgraced. Now, here's the thing. Now, while this is not a fancy prayer, this is not the most spiritual prayer, here's what I will tell you. One of the most powerful prayers anybody, any child of God can pray is, Father, in Jesus' name, I need help. That's one of the most anointed, powerful prayers that can come out of a saint's mouth. So we don't have to be flowery. We don't have to doctor up a prayer. We don't have to try to get fancy. We just have to be honest and vulnerable before the Lord. He sees it before it ever shows up. And this David, he understands that. But here's what gets me. In the midst of his, obviously, his anxiety, his fear, his issues, these types of things, in the midst of asking for help, he does something that I want us to notice here. Because this is something that we don't do very often when we're dealing with anxiety or we feel we're facing a situation that's bigger than us that actually is threatened in the, our very lives or our livelihood. Notice what David does next, though. He's got this issue, but on the flip side, he slows down to remember the times when God had his six. This is what he says, Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted in you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you've cared for me. He goes, no wonder I'm always praising you. Notice, do you see the tone change from verse 1 to this verse? Something is happening in his spirit. He's seeing the situation with his physical eyes. It's not to dismiss that it's not there. He is under a threat. He's worried about becoming disgraced. He needs protection from God because clearly nothing else is able to provide that for him. And yet, the moment he slows down to remember God's faithfulness in previous times and seasons, what happens is he begins to walk now by faith and not by sight. And as faith begins to arise back in his spirit, he begins to have a lightness. There's a joy here. And he goes, no wonder I'm always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and my protection. Do you realize if you're watching online or you're sitting in this room this morning, your life is an example to the world. You are trophies of God's grace of times past when he has answered prayers. He has come through. He has delivered you. And you are sitting here right now in the house of miracles this morning because of God's faithfulness in your life. It is not over for you, nor is it over for David. And we're about to see how. He goes, I'm praising you. My life is an example for many because you have been my strength. You have been my protection. This is why I can't stop praising you. I will declare your glory all day long. What a shift from verse 1 to now 5 through 8. Do you see what's happening here? The truth is this. If you're alone 
You feel alone. You're afraid. You feel outmatched. You feel like this could be the deal breaker for you. Notice what's happening here. When we pause to remember God's faithfulness in our lives, it actually, our past can become a platform for our praise. I was talking to someone right after the first service. He came up to me. He said, David, this idea of praising God for what he's already done, he said, I was sitting there and I didn't realize there was a retroactive faith that showed up as I begin to consider all the times in my life that the Lord has come through, and it didn't dawn on me till now. The Holy Spirit revealed to this man times previously where he just went, well, that was some good luck. And he says, no, I see the hand of God in my life. And I would encourage you, he said, that was a retroactive faith that God gave me this morning to look at my past, not from a place of lack or, wow, that was close, but God's hand was upon my life. He's been on yours too, which is why you're sitting here this morning. He's been good to you. Recount his faithfulness. I think being back in this house um, is just, it's bringing back a thousand and one memories. But one of the ones that came to my mind, and my mom can testify to this once again, is that shortly after my parents' divorce, um, we, like I said, we started coming here, and you heard that, and started attending here, but we were broke. Now, there's like broke, but then there's like $20, and you have five more days till payday broke. Any, can anybody relate to that in here? Are you all just independently wealthy? Okay, great. So... <laughs> I rem- Mom, you remember, you know about what I'm about to, t- I, this story is amazing, but this is one example of what I'm talking about. So it was a Sunday night, and for whatever reason, there were some services going on on a Sunday night, and we had already been here that morning, I think, worshiping, and I said, Mom, I said, can we go back to church? Now, you got to understand, we live on the for- far northwest side of town. We lived in Leon Valley at the time, and so this might as well be on Mars, okay? It's a long way from where we live. And my mom said, honey, I want to go. I really want to go. But we have 20 bucks, and the car is on empty, and we have like five days before I get paid. It Probably not. And I was like, mom, please, can we go to church? Now, full disclosure, I was probably really wanting to come here, not to sit under Dr. Walker's preaching, although it's good. It's probably to see a pretty girl that I was chasing at the time, Okay. Full disclosure, but here's the thing. My mom was like, you know, how often is my boy going to be asking to come to church? And so she's like, okay. So she got us all in the car. We drove here. We came in here. (laughs) Tell me if I'm wrong. And you can come up and tell the story your way, mom, if you want, if I get it wrong. But here's the thing. We're sitting back over there. It was time for the offering. As the offering plate went by, the Lord said, take that 20, Carolyn, and put it in the offering plate. And after however long of debate, as it made its way down the aisle, she was faithful. And the last 20 bucks we had to our name, she put in. So now the service was over. Now we have that much. And we're walking down the big hallway, and there was a stranger who came up to us, myself, my sister, and my mom. And he said, hey, the Holy Spirit just put this on my heart. I just felt like I was supposed to give this to you. He put something in my mom's hands, and we're classy people. We didn't sit there and go, hold on, how much? You know? So we, we, we said, thank you very much. We walked out to the car, the front parking lot. My mom opened her hand, and there was 10 times what she had given in the offering plate in her hand. The reason why I share that with you 
is because if you ever wonder if there has been a revival since the 50s or 60s, one happened that night in the parking lot. We were praising God. Revival came to that little Camaro that we were sitting in. We did not know really how we were going to make it. The Lord is faithful. And I think sometimes we can remember that and go, oh, that's good and that's sweet. And then we just dismiss it and move on. We need to journal and chronicle these moments because not only do they remind us, but we're able to speak to future generations and speak of the faithfulness of God, which is why we see when the Israelites were going in, what did they do? They built a memorial to remind themselves for what purpose? So that they would remember God's goodness and faithfulness in their lives, but so that they could speak to future generations about it, about the goodness of God when they ask, what are those rocks sitting there for? Well, let me tell you, how many memorials are we stacking in our lives or in how many memorials in these movements of God we're just chalking up to coincidence? That is the work of the devil to diminish the power of God in your life. And so I would encourage you, This week, take a walk down memory lane and re-remember what the Lord has done for you. And let faith arise to give you the strength today to face tomorrow with a new understanding of who he is in your life. Glory to God. He, he, this is what the Lord told me. David, just come and testify to, to my goodness in your life. It is so good to just bring good news to y'all. Because typically I preach hard, man. I make everybody mad. Not today. Not today. But here's the reason why I share that with you. I share that because when we pause to remember the faithfulness of God, it will serve as a reminder that he still is. While David is now recounting these times of faith and we see faith arising, we see joy. He's like, oh, I praise you. I love you. This is a real human being. And tell me if you can't relate to this because look at where he goes in verse 9, though. So he goes, God, I have a problem. God, I praise you. I remember your faithfulness. But in my old age, verse 9, he says, please don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. I think there are those watching online right now, those in the room right now, as I prayed about that, and you're struggling with the same type of mindset. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you human. This is just the human experience that we're living through as Christians, where we go, God, I got a problem. God, I praise you. God, don't abandon me. All of the same prayer. It's okay. We see this. And as much as you hate to say it, you believe, though. I think some believe that because you're weak in this season, and you don't have the faith that you once had in your life and in previous seasons, or maybe you're not as strong as you used to be or as talented as you once were or had the level of influence or youth that you once had, that somehow God really doesn't want to put a lot of investment into you because he'd rather put it into someone who has a little bit more to bring to the table. I think some would put it this way. This is how you would frame it. David... Too much time has passed. David, too much water has gone under the bridge for me. Too many mistakes. David, I've missed too many opportunities. I'm just glad that when I die, I get to go to heaven. And that's good enough for me. But what we're saying in those moments is that God's not a good author of his children's stories. Is he not the author and the perfecter of our faith? Isn't he the one that formed you in your mother's womb and knew every single day that you would live before the first one even passed? Why do we have this this idea that we somehow know more about our lives and what God wants to do in and through them than he does? 
Could it be the prohibiting factor for us walking in greater victory and being used in this very moment by him and walking in these things is because we've allowed this mindset to go, no, Lord, you give it to the younger generation. They got more energy. I'll just come in and I'll just show up to church and, you know, I'll throw a 20 in the offering plate and hopefully I get a tenfold return and that's about it. I think the enemy's stealing from God's children. But I think that even beyond that, if we're being super honest, this doesn't make you bad if you feel this way. Please hear me. I'm just, let's address the real issue though, because I think that some would even say, I'm afraid, David, honestly. And I hate to say it, I think God is abandoning me in my weak state. And I'm so afraid that no one's going to have my back in this next season. Please hear me in Jesus' name. If you feel that way, don't let the enemy condemn you. This is where David is at. Let's see how he works through that so that we too maybe can follow his example and find victory again in our lives. I will tell you this. I was 17 years old when I walked through the doors of this room for the first time. And I'm about to be 51 in September. And I'm here to declare Psalm 37, and I'm here to tell you just to encourage you. Psalm 37 says, once I was young, but now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned. I haven't. Your preacher this morning has never seen the godly abandoned, and I can speak to that when he should have abandoned me. And the same goes for you too. So David, what he's got to do is what we're going to have to do. If we're in a tight spot and we're scared, we're overwhelmed, this is what David does. He remembers God. He brings the problem to God. He shares how he's insecure in his relationship with the Lord. And yet, this is what he has to do and what we're going to have to do this morning. We've got to put away gloom and doom, and we have to be able to go to the truth of the living word of God again in our lives whether it come from a newscaster or a doctor or from your spouse or from your boss or from the thoughts that keep you up in the middle of the night, the truth is, is David has to reach down past the insecurity, past the fear, past the pain of the current trial, and he scoops out the last bit of faith that he's got, and he puts it to work, and he declares this in verse 14. I will keep hoping for your help, and I will praise you even more and more while I'll wait. The word for hope is actually he's using here is a Hebrew word, yahal, which means to wait expectantly. So while David says, this is a problem I can't solve, can't fix, can't meet the need for, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be even more tenacious about my worship of who you are. In other words, he's doubling down, going, in faith, I will declare that this is a house of miracles, although I haven't seen one here in five years. I will declare that you will never abandon me, even though I feel like I'm alone and no one has my six. He's going to worship the Lord. He's going to honor him. Romans says that this type of hope says this hope will not lead to disappointment. The Yahal type of hope will not lead to disappointment. So if you put your hope in God, not your wishes, but you put your hope in the Lord, that hope will not disappoint. For we know how dearly God loves us. Why? Because he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with that love. 
You see, like I just mentioned, there's a difference between, oh, I'm, well, I wish the Lord would do something with my husband. Oh, it's so quiet in here. Um, Oh, I wish this would happen. I wish that. No, that's fine. I get that. But those who put their hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. But let's get down underneath this. Because we're afraid to ask certain questions in this house sometimes. Because we don't want to offend people or we don't want people to think that we don't have faith or we don't believe in God. But here's the truth. I know some of y'all are going, David, this is so inspiring. But you don't understand. David, I can equally point to times in my life where I didn't feel God came through for me. I can point to times in my life where I did get hurt. I can point to times as a son and a daughter of God where I dealt with loss. And what about the moments that I was hoping for breakthrough that have never come? What about those? Can we ask that kind of question on a Sunday morning in a church? Because that is stuff that we are dealing with, right? We don't want to ask those questions because we don't feel like it's spiritual, but it's proper to ask these questions. We just got to direct them to the one who knows the answer. I think too many of us have bought the lie, though, is that if you become a Christian, your life will be perfect from, all, from now until all of eternity. That's, I think that's part of the problem. And so when we go, well, man, I, I serve in Sunday school, and I said yes to Jesus, and I show up every Sunday, and I do this, and I do that, and I, I said, I've done all the things. Why are these things happening? And as a pastor, I understand the question. I really do. But often we're sold salvation as a means to live in this world with no problems. But the truth is, is we live in a broken world still. And not only is our world broken, but people are still broken, and we are in process. None of us have arrived. And so when you put this combination together, it's a big, fat mess. Watch 42 seconds of CNN or Fox News today and tell me we're making things better. We're not. And the reason why is because we live in a broken world. Jesus says, don't be surprised by these things. And so God never promised the absence of trials, but he did promise to us that he would have your six. He would have your back within them. He is faithful. He is faithful. Even the writer of Psalms says, you have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore to my life again, and you will lift me up from the depths of the earth. He's saying, even though, Lord, you've led me through valleys I didn't want to walk through, I will hold on to my Yahal. I will hold on to my hope. And listen to what he says. And you will restore me to even greater honor and comfort to me one more time, once again. You see the process and the honesty that you see from David. And, and if you read the rest of the chapter, it, it looks like it turns out well for him. Actually, God does come and deliver and restore and re brings back all the things that he felt he was going to lose. Isn't that beautiful? The reason why I share this psalm with you is because I think a lot of us are living under a lot of uncertainty right now. In 2022, we thought that if we could just get on the other side of 2020, we would be just fine. And it was only the beginning of crazy town. And we're right in the middle of it. And so we're very uncertain, and I truly believe that the church, the body of Christ is being shaken right now. And while it may be hard and it may be scary, we, we may not even know where our footing and where we're going to land in the middle of all this. I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. So if this morning, though, you are having a crisis of faith, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. If you're having a crisis where you feel like he's not anywhere near you, it doesn't mean he doesn't love you.
We just need to be reminded of what God has done. And so let me just tell you, I could narrate how God feels about you, but I would rather just let him speak for himself. Look at what Hebrews has to say about anybody in here who claims the name of Jesus over their life. He has said, who has said, our Father has said, I will never, now follow this. And this is the amplified version, which is the expanded version and getting the true essence and the heart of God represented here. Look at this. Our Father says, I will never, everybody say never, under any circumstance, desert you, nor give up on you, nor leave you without that support that you need. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you. I will never let you down or relax my hold on you, most assuredly not. Do you think God is serious when he's saying this and talking like that? He means it. It's an emphatic expression of what God wants us to get this morning. He's not joking around. He is devoted to you. He loves you. And he's got a plan and a future for your life. And today is the day that we take this on and take off the lies from the devil that we are not worth loving and we don't have what it takes and God has forgotten about us and our best days are behind us and there's nothing except hoping that somehow we get to heaven wrong. Today is a new day, and the Lord loves you, and if you're still here, that means he's not done with you. He's got a plan for your life, but it gets better. The Lord says, so take comfort and be encouraged and confidently say that the Lord is my helper in my time of need. I will not be afraid. And if that's the truth, he goes on to say, well, shoot, what can man do to me then? What can anybody, what can circumstances do to me if this is true about the King of kings and the Lord of lords concerning you? But while that is super encouraging, how do we really know he'll keep that promise to us, though? You see, what I would tell you is God is not just a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And I'll explain to you why through his word. Scripture says, for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. Y'all catch that? Jesus is not a wishy-washy God. He's not a wishy-washy shepherd. He's a yes and no God. And his yes is yes and his no is no. And he doesn't waver between the two. I love you today, can't stand you tomorrow. That's not our Lord. That's Satan. That's how the world operates. That's the economy of this world. God is faithful. All of his promises. He says that he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen. Which means yes and ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables you, you and me, along with all of us, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. He has identified us as his own. But how? By placing his very Holy Spirit within us. But for what purpose? It's in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees every single thing he has promised to his children. He has sealed it with this Holy Spirit living within you. He bought and sealed these promises for us by his blood and by his spirit. And every single promise that he's made to every single one in this room who is in Christ and watching online, 
is yes. His promises are yes for you. They're yes, every single one of them. I don't feel worthy. Doesn't matter. You don't get to make the rules. You're not God. I think we have the biggest, hardest time just letting him love us. Would you just let God love you and quit making him into something other than what he really is? Open the word of God and see what he actually has to say. So here's where we get crazy practical here for a second. Why do we have such a problem remembering this in our day-to-day lives? Because I swear, just as in this moment, maybe God is speaking to you and blessing you and inspiring you, you know by Tuesday you're not going to remember what I said. You're going to be, because we're going to be faced with a flat tire on Tuesday. We're going to get that diagnosis from the doctor. I mean, I get it. Here's the reason why, I mean, we struggle with this in our day-to-day life. And I think the reason why is, how many of y'all have raised kids before or are in the middle of raising kids? Let me just see a show of hands. Okay, most of us in here. If you didn't raise your hand, you were a kid. So this applies for all of us, okay? Do you remember when our parents would say, hey, take out the trash or go brush your teeth? <laughs> I got an amen on that. I like you. You're, my, you're fun. Right? Well, how often would our kids come back and we go, hey, did you take out the trash because the health department is about to shut us down and we need to get this out of here? And that, what would they say so often? Oh, I forgot. And I'm like, <laughs> I won't say which one of our children, but I would be like, baby, you haven't brushed your teeth in three weeks. How could you not see for yourself you need to do this, Right? I forgot. I forgot. And I think God is saying to us this morning and to us online, why are you acting like this hyper bald guy hearing this for the first time? Why are you acting like this is the first time you've heard this stuff? I think it's because we forget. You knew this. I'm not teaching to most of you anything that you haven't heard before, but we're so prone to forget. But this is why we need to be in church, in the house of God. If you're shut in and you can't make it here, I get it. We also broadcast our, our sermons and podcasts. We want to reach the world with any means that we can. But you can't beat the gathering of saints in the same room. And I think what happened has happened is because of 2020, we have somehow kind of eased into a DoorDash spirituality where we could just sit at home and have it all brought to our house, which is nice, but it's worth the sacrifice to be in the house of God. And here's the reason why. Not so we can make sure that, you know, you're showing up, but because when you get in the presence of other believers, we are the body of Christ. And something happens supernaturally, collectively, that just can't happen in other contexts. This is why the gathering of saints is so critical. So I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying make the sacrifice and get in the house of God so that you can be reminded that you're not alone. Because look around this room. These are brothers and sisters that we can all testify to what we're talking about today. And you don't feel isolated anymore because you're like, we're all in the same boat. And we all have the same Savior. Which means that we can put our collective faith and hope together and move forward as a body of Christ. Does that make sense? So let's remember maybe what we have forgotten. Ephesians says, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ. Do you remember the time before Jesus in your life? 
Do you remember the time before Jesus was Lord of your life? For those of you who are like me, raised in church, do you remember the times before Jesus was Lord of your life? This is what Scripture's asking. Excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in this world. Do you remember that time when you were addicted? Do you remember that time when you were on a fast track to hell and then God intervened and saved you? This is what it's asking. It's pointing something out. The reality is, Jesus, without him, there is no promise that you can claim. Without Jesus, regardless of how good you may try to be, without Jesus, you have no hope. Without Jesus, God can't have your six. And the reason why is it doesn't make him mean. It doesn't mean that he's not good and loving, but it means he's not your God. And if he's not your God, you don't have the benefits of his promise and salvation. It is surrendering fully to him and understanding that your good works don't produce anything. They don't get you one inch closer to the Father's heart. But Jesus, when Jesus shows up, we become co-heirs. We become beneficiaries of his promise. And then we're able to not only stand on his word, but eat from it, feast from it, and to be able to navigate this broken world as people of hope instead of hopelessness, people of faith, people who are called. You are called if you're in Christ. And now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So what does this tell us? God wouldn't go through all of this trouble if he didn't care about you and wanted to abandon you. He went through a lot of trouble. So you're not alone this morning. If you're watching online, wherever you're at or listening, God is with you. He is for you. God loves you. God has forgiven you. And it's time to walk in the authority that is within you by his Holy Spirit as sons and daughters of God. Amen? So as we finish up, here's the truth. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I get that. I'm there. I'm already there. Then here's our job. If you, God has your six and you know it, that means you have a responsibility to be able to have other people's backs. Guys, the enemy is working overtime to divide us. He wants to divide us on red or blue, two primary colors somehow. He wants to divide us on non-essential issues. He would love it if we just sat on Facebook and just debated back and forth and acted ugly and got those courageous thumbs and did all sorts of nonsense or to be able to um, judge what God is doing and don't want to submit to leadership and all the rest of the stuff. Division, division, division. Why? Because the moment we start walking in the truth of unity and what God has established through his word and what he has called us to do, we're unstoppable. Scripture says, by Jesus, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. We are the church, so we need to unite and we need to be with one another and stop splitting hairs when people are still bound in chains. So we need to be each other's biggest advocates, our biggest cheerleaders. You see, if you want to know if someone is a mature Christian, someone who is actually following Jesus, not just a fan on Sunday, Notice how they respond to brothers and sisters who are struggling. It's defined in 1 Corinthians. You see, love is patient. It's kind. 
It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't look to dishonor other people. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't get angry easily. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. And so, therefore, let's imitate God as sons and daughters of God, because we're his dear children, Ephesians says. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. Would you stand to your feet, please? As Josh comes up, there are those, wherever you're at, wherever this word is going today, and those in this room, And I want to remind you of a truth in Isaiah. And it says this. The Lord will make you go through hard times. But he himself will be there to teach you. And you will not have to search for him. If you even wander off the road... to the right or to the left. Let's look at this. Look at our Father. It says, you will hear a voice from where? Behind you saying, here is the road. Follow it. In my mind, when it comes to following Jesus, I always have him in front of me, which I think is a nice thing to, to do, right? But it seems that God leads us from behind. He's got our six. And, and let, me, let me paint this picture. I was like, how does that work? Why would he do it that way? How many of you all have raised toddlers before or have toddlers? <laughs> how do you lead your little ones when they're walking through the mall? When you're at SeaWorld, how do you lead them? You don't walk in front of them because God only knows what's happening behind you. You are behind that toddler going, no, 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 no. All right, keep, let's keep going. Oh, nope, stay away. Oh, stop, that's, that's a street. Hold on, let's wait till the cars go by. You're saying it all from your parenting and leading from behind, aren't you? Hey, get that spider out of your mouth, right? Whatever those things are, we do it from behind. Isn't this a picture of not just God, but a father who loves and leads his children The thing is about a toddler, all they see are knees. They can't see past anybody's knees, but the father and the parent is able to look above and see way up ahead where they're going to lead that child. That child doesn't see anything but what's in front of them. Could it be that this is exactly what God is pointing out to you this morning? He sees above you. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are above ours. Could it be that we just need to listen to for that voice and trust that it's there and knowing that he's a good father that will never leave you, he will never forsake you. And if that's true, I'll shut up. Let me just leave one more thing with you. If that's true, the author of Romans 8 says, then if that's true, then what shall we say this morning on August 8th as the children of God, 7th, 8th, doesn't matter. What shall we say such wonderful things as these? Alamo City, if God is for us, then who in the world could ever be against us? Since our sweet father did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give you everything else that you need? 
Can anything ever separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus like this? Does it mean that he no longer does love us if we do run into some trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? The author of Romans here, Paul, this word no is one of the strongest no's that you can actually read in the Greek. He's saying, you're out of your mind if you believe that God would abandon you in your weakest, most vulnerable moments. He says, no. Everybody say no. Now think about that situation where you feel abandoned, scared, afraid, lost, outmatched. And I want you in faith to declare over this in Jesus' name, no. One, two, three. Declare it right now. One, two, three. No. The answer is no. Despite all the things that we are facing this morning, and I'm not minimizing it. I'm not saying they don't hurt. I'm not saying they're not scary, and I don't know how they're going to turn out. But Scripture says, through God's Word, overwhelming victory will wind up becoming yours through Christ who loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Would you let him love you this morning in Jesus' name? I want to invite the prayer team up because this morning someone in here just needed to be reminded of God, what you already knew, but what God wanted to put back in your heart. You thought you made the decision to show up or to log in online or download this podcast, and you thought that that was your decision. You thought, i got to pursue the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, actually, you're in here because he's been pursuing you. And he wants to remind you of his goodness and his faithfulness, and he will not let you go. He promises that. But maybe you're listening or watching or you're in here this morning, and you go, man, that's good for them. I, I, I wish I could have that, or I hope to maybe get that sense someday too. And I understand what you mean when you, when you say that. Man, I hope that I can get, that, get there someday. And what I would say is chances are you really want to know God, but you just, you may know a lot about him, but you may not actually know him. And this morning, I want to invite you to say yes to him. I want you to have the opportunity to exchange your sin for God's forgiveness, to exchange your life for the life of Jesus. The promises that we spoke of this morning are available to you too. But you have to receive it in faith. And understand, you don't bring one thing to God that makes him love you. And so is by faith are you saved. But the scripture says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you want to become a son or a daughter of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit, bought with the blood of Jesus, ask for it. And so whether you're in your car, whether you're in your house, whether you're in this house of miracles right now, if you want to be saved, ask for it to a father that wants to say yes to you. Pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. But right now, with the faith that you've given me, I put it in you. No longer in my best efforts to be moral. I put my faith in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Just tell them. I want to thank you for paying the price of my sin. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. And right now I'm asking you to save me. Forgive me. Give me a new start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
and seal your Holy Spirit upon my life. And I make you the Lord and the boss of my life from this day forward. And if you just prayed that right now, I want you now to begin to thank him for saving you. I want you to thank him for loving you and making you a son or a daughter of God through Christ alone. If you prayed that in the comments below or send an email, but in this room at the count of three, if you just prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus, I'm not going to make you do anything weird, but we celebrate miracles like this because death just became life in this room. And so we want to celebrate that. So one, two, three, just put your hand up. One, two, three, just if you just prayed that this morning, look across the room. Can we celebrate like we just saw a house of miracles proven right now in this moment? God bless you. If you've raised your hands, that's awesome. I saw the Lord working on you, man. I saw him. He loves you so much. We have our prayer team up here. Don't leave out of here without letting our prayer team pray with you and celebrate the decision so that way you can take greater steps of understanding of what you just said yes to. But I want to congratulate you online and at whatever point you're listening and those in this house this morning. It has been an absolute blast and an honor to share the word of God with you this morning. I love this church. I pray God's blessings over you. Because I listen to Pastor Walker every week, he does say this, and so I want to make sure I make this invitation. But if you do have a prayer request online and you need a team to pray with you and for you, email pastorwalker at alamocity.org. Did I get that right? Just write a little paragraph about what it is that you need prayer for, and you've got a warriors. You've got prayer warriors who are going to be lifting up that prayer. And when God answers and comes through, then please let us know, and that way we could celebrate that with you. But until then, let me just pray a blessing. Father, thank you for what you've done today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how it's ministered to me, the preacher. I want to thank you for your promises, is that they're yes and amen. And so, Lord, may there not be one son or daughter that walks out of here feeling alone ever again. So, Father, we bind the enemy, and I declare the gift of rest over every home right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would restore joy, that you would restore peace, that you would remove the spirit of contentiousness within homes and arguing and infighting. I pray, Lord, that there would be grace that shows up. I pray, Lord, for the healing of marriages in this house. I pray, Father, for restoration of health. I pray, Father, that you would bless and continue to pour out your blessings on the areas of need financially that are present in our lives, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who gives us our daily bread. And so we praise your name for that. I pray, God, that, Lord, we would continue to stand and see and be witnesses to the goodness of God in the land of the living. I thank you for what you have in store through Pastor Walker's leadership in the next season and the generations that are going to be reached in the future. Bless your people. Thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week.